scripture passage this evening comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, it's great to be with you all. Uh, this is now, I'm, I'm nearing 15 years as a Presbyterian pastor at this point, but I have certainly never spoken or preached before the Presbytery, and that has been on purpose. <laughs> I have not sought this out, because I know that, well, we're, this is a tough crowd, right? This is, this is hard. We all have, many of us, our own sermons that we're still trying to write right now. Uh, it's, what, 7.30 on a Friday night at the end of a long week. I know that my attention span is shot. And I also know that most of you here can preach this sermon better than I'm going to do it. But still, I'm, I'm going to encourage you now, just for the next few minutes, to, to try and put all that distracting stuff aside. Try to focus just for a few moments with me. Because I'm not here to preach at you tonight. I'm really grateful to be a Presbyterian. I'm grateful for Presbytery. Because it is a a wonderful chance for us to encourage one another. It's a great time for mutual support. And I know that I have been extremely encouraged by some of my interactions with you all, not just today, but in the past years as I've been a member of this presbytery. Um, I hope that this is an opportunity for us to come together and hear from the Lord. As I've been praying and thinking about what I might say to you, uh, I've just kind of, the Lord's kind of kept leading me back to the same thing that I think we all need to hear. Pretty simple message. You're doing a good job. You are pastors, your spouses, your teaching elders and ruling elders and missionaries and, and ministers of all different kinds. You're the families of pastors who have made tremendous sacrifices for the kingdom of God. And what I want you to hear this evening is that your labors, your work, is seen by the Lord. Your labor is not in vain. If you could hear that tonight, not just from me, but if you could receive that tonight from the Lord, I would be incredibly grateful. So I want to invite you to try to do that tonight, just to calm your hearts and receive from him as we prepare to come to this table. And, and what I want to say to you specifically is these three things. That one, you are a success in the eyes of your heavenly father. And two, your calling, it matters. And three, your work is glorious. You're a success in the eyes of your heavenly father. Your calling matters and your work is glorious. Let's just look at the verse one last time. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. 
Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. I'm really grateful for verses like this. The ones that are just clear and to the point, simple, easy to understand. For me, there's a few verses like this in Scripture that just overflow with hope. They overflow with reassurance. They overflow with joy. Maybe you've got verses that make you feel that way. But it struck me as I was reading it this week, you know, the reason why God gives us verses like this in Scripture is because he knows that we need to hear them. He knows that our labor... (laughs) The worrying that our labor is in vain, that's a thought that we struggle with. That we are, in fact, constantly doing battle in our minds with these voices telling us that our labor is in vain. A friend of mine, he likes to say that we have an enemy, and he doesn't fight fair. And his goal is to take you out of the ministry. And I'm sure if we wanted to, we could just spend the rest of the weekend sitting around telling our war stories, and we would have, we'd have to extend presbytery, right? It'd have to go on for another week. Ministry can be brutal sometimes. We've all had those moments where we have just felt defeated, where in spite of our best efforts to be faithful, our best efforts to discern God's will, to lead with integrity, to serve him faithfully, to shepherd and love his people. We just end up beaten down, discouraged, thinking, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe it's time for me to throw in the towel. Probably the most difficult thing I've been through up to this point in my ministry came around the end of my last pastorate. Uh, Before coming to Center, I had planted a church, uh, and I pastored it for about 10 years. And towards the end of that journey, the church went from being this beautiful community that I loved dearly to being a church that was torn up by division and scandal and conflict. We had a leader who had an affair. We had a mass exodus that followed that. And in the midst of it, people who we had pastored and cared for for years just left without even a conversation. And then in the aftermath, (laughs) in this online world, there was no shortage of social media posts and rumors that just kept the pain kind of going for months and and years. And at the time, I really didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know how to make sense of it. I came up under the that movement in the early 2000s, the preaching of of Tim Keller and all those young, restless, reformed guys, and they're saying, you know, what you got to do is you got to go out there and you got to plant churches. And they didn't say this explicitly, but it, it was certainly implied that when you go do that, those churches are surely going to explode in growth. 
You're going to go, you're going to reach the masses for Jesus. You're going to transform the city for Christ. And eventually, you're going to transform the whole world with this culture-shaping, influential thing called the church. And so, I went. And I tried it. But what really happened is that I pursued the Lord's call and I got my butt kicked. And not just me. My family, the elders that I had raised up in the process, I gave everything I had trying to live a faithful life for God's glory. And I ended up leaving town with a a marriage on the brink, a handful of people who seemed to all of a sudden hate my guts, (laughs) and some wounds that, I don't know, maybe they'll never fully heal. I had expected things to go differently. <laughs> but Jack Miller, the, the pastor from Philadelphia, he, said, he often said that, that God's appointments are sometimes our disappointments. God's appointments are sometimes our disappointments, meaning sometimes God's plan for our ministry looks a lot different than our own plans. Sometimes it is God's will To bring us into hardship. But you know, there's even good news in there. Because it means that in the midst of all that, if we remain faithful to his call, if we remain surrendered to his will, if we remain committed to his word, well then there's no such thing as failure in ministry. Even when things don't go the way that you dream, your labor For the Lord is never in vain. Back in the 80s, Kent Hughes, he wrote a book called Liberating Your Ministry from the Success Syndrome. I don't know if any of you ever came across it. I I really enjoy it. Um, But as he opens up the book, he tells the story of the moment that he came to a crisis of faith. Because his ministry wasn't going the way that he'd envisioned. He had started a new church, and he'd done it with plenty of people, all the right people, plenty of funding. He did it with plenty of giftedness, right? He's a great pastor, a great scholar, and instead of this perfect package going out and this church growing wonderfully, it dwindled down to the point where its future was completely uncertain. And it brought him to a crisis of faith. In the book, he said he reached a moment where he came to the conclusion, quote, God has called me to do something I can't do. That means God is not good. Have you ever been there? But out of that low place, as he wrestled alongside of his wife in prayer, They came to the correct realization that the problem wasn't God's goodness, but it was with their own definition of success. Now, I know Instagram, right, it wants to convince us that ministry is is beautiful. Ministry is easy. Everybody should be young and attractive. The rooms should always be full of people. The baptisms should be endless and in slow motion, right? All the music should be studio quality. 
But real ministry is gritty. Real ministry is painful. And sure, there are moments of beauty. But oftentimes, it's not pretty. And I don't have to tell you guys that. You know that. It is carrying a cross. It's laying down a crown. But what this passage is reminding us is that as long as we are doing that, we can never fail. You know it. But Paul reminds us that whatever we do, when we labor for God's glory, our labor is not in vain. When we follow him, even if we go out and follow him and fall flat on our faces, it's never failure if we go where he leads. So, brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to say is is this. Regardless of what it might feel like sometimes, regardless of how it might look to the world sometimes, you, you, are a success in the eyes of the Lord. Your effort to serve the Lord, it glorifies him. It honors him. Because the point of all this stuff, the stuff that we do day in and day out every week as pastors, as elders, as members of ministry families, as missionaries, whatever it is, the point is not ultimately to gather a big crowd or to make a name for ourselves. The point is to build his kingdom. And that brings me to the second thing I want to say. It's that our calling, it matters. Our calling matters. I was praying with another pastor recently, and as he prayed, he, he, he said, Lord, allow me to experience my call to serve you as a blessing. Many days it feels like a curse. It feels like a burden. But I know it's an honor. Help me to believe it. That's a good prayer. But how do we believe it? How do we experience our call to serve the Lord as the blessing that it really is? Well, this verse, Paul encourages us that we need to remember where exactly we stand. This is one of those verses that starts with a therefore. It comes at the very end of a a long chapter. And if you remember, this is that chapter where Paul is teaching about the resurrection. It's the one where he says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is useless, and so is our faith. And most of the chapter is making that kind of argument, that if Jesus wasn't raised, well, all of this is pointless. And here in the last verse, the one that we're looking at tonight, he is coming back to that same argument, but he's coming back from a different angle. He's coming back from the positive side. His point is, Christ has been raised... And that means your faith is not useless, but it's extremely powerful. Your life is not wasted, but on the contrary, it is infinitely valuable. Men, women, all of you here, I know that your call is hard, whatever it is. But it's hard because you are doing the most significant thing that you can be doing on this earth. You are on the front lines. Yeah, and so that means sometimes you're going to take some some heavy fire. But remember, you're standing on the winning side. 
Therefore, he says, let nothing move you. The ESV, it says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Again, why does Paul tell us this? Well, because he knows we're going to be tempted to give in. We're going to be tempted to give up. We have an adversary who is always telling us just that. Who's always accusing us. Whispering in our ear, you're not qualified for this. You're not prepared. You're not gifted enough. You're not holy enough. You're too old. You're too young. You're too middle-aged. For you ruling elders, I, I don't know, but I imagine the enemy probably says something like, you volunteered for this? <laughs> what are you doing? Go sit on the sidelines. Be like everyone else. Go to the service and go home. Maybe he's telling you this works too hard for you. You're not educated enough. You don't have the expertise. You don't have the relational skills. And some of those accusations, they, they sting. They hurt. Because we know there's at least some truth to it, right? We are underprepared sometimes. Some of us are too old or too young or too middle-aged. But what Scripture tells us is that in the midst of all those inadequacies, we also are in Christ. In Psalm 37, David says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. And though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. And it's not just the voices inside of us that we're battling with. The world around us is constantly trying to defeat Christ and his gospel. It's either telling us to compromise the message and the church by watering down the truth on one hand, or it's telling us to, to weaponize it by turning it into some political tool. But our call is to be steadfast, to cling to the truth, not to turn to the right or to the left, to proclaim his message loudly, to live it out humbly in front of a world that is desperately in need of a Savior. Your calling matters because our God is too good to let even one person who he loves slip through the cracks. And he's called you to proclaim the message of their redemption. I was thinking of one of the most humble messages I've probably ever heard. It was from a sixth grade teacher. And she didn't have a, a beautiful eloquent sermon with all kinds of illustrations and points, but it, she told her little class about Jesus and the promise of eternal life through faith in him. And she got no response from the class. There was no sign that anyone was even paying attention. She may have gone home and been discouraged. I don't know. To be honest, some of the details are fuzzy. I don't even remember her full name. But I was in that class. And I heard the gospel. And one day, 
when we get to glory, I look forward to telling her about the impact it had. So my encouragement is don't let anyone move you. Be steadfast. The resurrected Lord is gathering his people and he's using you to do it. And you don't fully even understand how he's doing it. And I know it's hard. But your work matters. It's internally important. So don't give up. And the last thing I want to tell you tonight is pretty simple. It's that your work is also glorious. You already know enough about the discouraging stuff, right? You've heard enough of the rumors that all too commonly get back to your own ears and all that gossip and all those negative voices. You know those things. But do you know what the Lord says about the leaders in his church? Do you know the positive voice out there? You remember 1 Timothy 17? It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor. I know you've heard that verse before. I know you've taught on that verse before. But my question to everybody here tonight is, are you able to receive what God says about the value of your life and ministry? You're probably all too humble to even know how. But, He's telling us here in his word that the servants of the Lord are worthy of honor. It reminds me of that scene at the end of Lord of the Rings. You know, when the hobbits are are all gathered at the king's coronation. And they go to bow down to the king. And remember what he says to the hobbits? He looks at them and he says, you bow to no one. And then in that moment... This crowd of thousands of people start to bow down before these hobbits to honor the great sacrifices that they've made. Do you realize that all of you who labor for the Lord, all of you who make sacrifices for the kingdom of God, that you are loved and you are cherished by the king, that you're worthy of his honor? So don't believe the lies. Don't be sucked into the quicksand of your own doubts and fears. Don't be deceived by the ups and downs of your ministry or the ups and downs of your own emotions. Don't measure your worth by the success of the world or the loud voices of a disgruntled few. The enemy wants you to quit. He wants you to be immobilized. He wants you to be depressed and he wants you to be bogged down. He wants you to believe that your call is a burden and that you're under a curse. But it's a lie. And here's the truth. The truth is that you bear the name of Christ. That you minister in the name of the resurrected king. And all of your imperfect life and all of your imperfect ministry is covered in his perfect righteousness. Thanks to the cross. That your imperfect prayers are perfected by his constant intercession on your behalf. 
The truth is that you and I and all of us who are serving the Lord have been given the greatest privilege that this world has to offer. Whatever role he's given you in this messy place that we call the church, I want you to know it is a tremendous blessing. And whether you end up like Noah, preaching for 120 years without a single convert, or like Peter, preaching for a few minutes and getting 3,000, know that your value is not in the numbers. It's in doing the work that the Lord has called you to do. Your work is glorious, even if it doesn't seem that way. The value is not even in your work. It's in Christ and his righteousness counted as your own in his record, in his work. God has called you to proclaim the truth. You know, he says it, in season and out of season. To offer healing and redemption to this world around us that's dying under the weight of sin. And he has called, and guess what? You've answered. In faith, you have responded to the call. You have risen up to serve. And because of that, I am humbled to be able to stand up in front of this group. I can see Christ in you. Because of you, I can see Christ better tonight. And standing here right now as I'm looking at your faces, looking back at me, you know, I can imagine it. I can envision it. That day when you are being honored by the king. That day when he says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. I can envision that day when you finally feel the unhindered warmth of his delight. And my hope is right now, in this moment, that you and I, we can come to this table together. And as we do it, we can confess our sins and our fears and our doubts and our sorrows. And that together we could be nourished by the grace that's being offered to us here. That we could be strengthened again to go out to the fight. And my real hope is that as we take this meal, you might hear him say to each one of you, personally, your labor is not in vain. Let's come to the table together.